What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. <laughs> and that makes Rick a citizen of the world. Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars... Well, I'm Rupert, Jackson Jacks. I'm tomorrow, Matt Burn on the board. The day before Thanksgiving, the day before Turkey Day. Hopefully That's everybody right. is... Uh, Either where they're going or heading there, and we'll get there safely. Uh, S&P futures up 275, Nasdaq futures up nine as we continue this creep little rally here, and uh, actually come back a reasonable amount on the year uh, from what we were at the high. I'm looking at the S&P started the year at 475, we made it down to 350, and now we're back to 400. So we're we're bouncing here. We don't know if it's going to be a the bear market rally or what it is, but so mm. far we're we're creeping, and everybody's pretty convinced we're just going to rally out to the end of the year because that's all we've ever done for the mm-hmm. last 15 years but hopefully there won't be a uh, cold water on that uh, plan but do we have mr kevin we do indeed how are you bud good morning i'm doing fine so you're gonna share yeah, some time uh, uh the the um uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, interested to know uh um who's who's doing the cooking tomorrow uh brother dan is and it, i told you all about right. the, the great turkey to work yeah, I told you about the great turkey fiasco. He couldn't find, <laughs> around him he went to three stores. He couldn't find one over uh, 20 pounds. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm texting him from the, the Myers out in, on Woolcook Road. <laughs> they, they had this huge freezer overflowed with stuff like 25, 26 pounds. I have no idea. I mean, I've, I've cooked a bunch of turkeys. I don't, I don't think I have one vessel that you could put a 26-pound bird in. I don't think it'll fit even on the 26-inch Weber. I, Sure, I bet you'd have to get one of those big, huge uh, uh, aluminum things and uh, pull a rack out in the oven or something. I mean, it's a, that thing was huge. Yeah. <laughs> no, no blowtorch. Oh, that'll work. I mean, none of none of the stuff you see that have that you can buy the uh, the things you immerse them in the oil that are dangerous as hell. Those fryers. Uh, none of those would fit that bird. No way. I mean, I think they go to about twenty twenty one. But uh, so anyway, he's well, that may be saving you from yourself though. Um, yeah, yeah, could be. By not being able to put it in the fryer. So I think he's cooking uh, two smaller birds, because that's what he ended up with. Plus, I brought him one, because they had 55 cents a pound at Myers. He cooks a lot, so I, whenever I see something, I just bring it over, because his gang shows up on Sunday, and not only do they eat pretty well, but they, they seem to like taking leftovers, so there's no such thing as too much, because you end up like feeding the family for a day or two at home, so... As the song lyric goes, too much of anything is just enough. That's exactly right. And uh, an interesting tidbit yesterday. Um, as you know, I'm trying to get some kind of a handle on, uh, and I, I, I've, I've talked to many people on the show and others, and everybody is absolutely convinced that I am 
start raving mad on this issue. Uh, yet, I honestly believe I'm right, and I don't, you know... Tom, Tom whatever the issue is, I, I don't think that's what has everybody believing you're stark raving mad. Uh, that's probably true. I, uh, but, I, but continue. I, I, I look I look at this these, these price issues for people, and it all comes back to, for the 12, 13 years we've been doing this particular show, long before anybody even mentioned anything, I mean, Carl certainly helped out, We've we've talked about inflation that was not counted. It was behind the scenes. As a matter of fact, I did a little bit of a study in 2020 because of COVID, nothing else to do. And since 2000, the CPI number was like 0.5% increase. So essentially everything's up 50% in 20 years, according to them. Yet I found health care. I found uh, college education uh, was up and and state property taxes in the areas where, uh, you know, some area here in Illinois anyway, were up like almost 275%. So there, there's this, there was this buildup that nobody counted, and because health stuff is insured, and you're, well, you think, you think you're not paying for it, but you are, and most people don't equate, if their company has to pay another $100 hours a month for health insurance, they somehow don't seem to care, and also don't realize that if the now, this isn't a one-to-one deal. They don't realize that if the company could cut back on $500 a month in health, in health insurance, that somehow that would pay it, make its way to you, that you actually are paying for it. I mean, most people have no concept of that. And it's not, not, like, they're, not like they're dumb. Well, we, we also are, are, very, are very attuned to um, the uh, inflation behind shrinking the size of packages. Yes. You know, a pound of coffee is a 12-ounce bag now. Um, and uh, you know uh, cereal, uh, uh, you know all kinds of things that come in smaller packages, and that is also what has happened with healthcare. Yes, um, you know the, the the packaging has has shrunk uh, in the form of higher deductibles, in the form of uh, bigger copays, all of those kinds of things too. But well, we've we've tried, or I've tried to address the recession issue. By pointing out, and I got this from Will Ken- William Kennedy in his book, I didn't bring it up myself. Uh, all, the, all those intelligent things I say are not exactly my ideas. There are other people's ideas where you recognize how good how good they were. And at least I'll give some credit to it. You, do, you look at uh, people that are doing, are progressing, and it seems like every year or so, it's less of the population that's <coughs> progressing. This is even before COVID. Now, COVID, of course, set everybody way the hell back. Uh, except for the people who got money from government. And so now you're you're left with a situation where people every day do nothing but bitch about inflation. And yet I'm looking at the money supply numbers, and for five months in a row now they're down. So there there is no, even though it's still filtering through in the food areas for sure, and we're still seeing people, small, the lower the size of the packages, it's not like it's gone, gone, but the impetus behind it, what we're left with, Kevin, is a, a massive price uh, level, which eighty or ninety percent of the population can't deal with. God help you if, if you ever had to go into the hospital and somehow you, you didn't have insurance or something. I mean, you're you're talking about maxing out several credit cards for the rest of your life for a four day stay. I mean, it, so it, it, to me, it's a it's a totally different problem, one that I honestly don't have a solution for, from the Volcker situation. I mean, I can't imagine. The, the, what the Federal Reserve would have to do in terms of interest rates to get a hospital bill down. 
they're so concentrated, they're, they're so locked up with government, they're so far up the ass of these insurance companies, they got so much overhead, so many people making so much money in these hospitals that aren't doctors. I can't imagine the, 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 the Federal Reserve, how they could go about fighting this. They have no chance, Kevin. There's, how much money would they have to? How much would they have to to, to ream out of people with interest rates at like thirty percent for your for Notre Dame to, to lower their tuition, or for the uh, state of Illinois to lower their their property taxes because they're, instead of giving seventeen thousand per student next year, they're going to give fifteen thousand and then put up with the teachers union and everybody else saying you're out of your mind. I mean, they're, they're, the the Fed is is totally out of this fight. Unless all well, can you, do- you have to also remember, for the most part, what the interventions in the market do, whether it's insurance, um, you know, whether it is uh, you know college tuition or anything, but essentially they set the floor. That, that's what they do is they create a floor, and you can't go lower than that floor. So the only way to, to actually get lower is to get rid of you know whatever form of subsidy that's in there. If it's tuition. It is, you know, the, the federal money coming in is, you know, the, if, if they're willing to pay it, the colleges are going to charge it. If it's insurance, uh, it, it's going to be, you know, if the insurance company is going to pay up to X or Medicare is going to pay up to Y, then the price is never going below that. Well, and your overhead just keeps growing. We can use another guy. He can get a raise. You look at what I think what probably nonprofits pay people now versus profits. i got to believe they're higher. I mean, regulated industries, I mean, it's, it's to the moon. Hey, but so I heard an anecdotal story yesterday re- regarding automobiles. I mean, I've, I've been railing for a while now that, that most of America now, unlike the Henry Ford era, where he said, I can't, I have to charge a price at which the people who work in my factory can buy a car. Well, that that's gone the way of the dodo bird. So <laughs> one of the guys I do some business for um, in one of the places that I do some uh, what uh, <coughs> uh, oh, I would say protective program stuff for mm. any kind of hedging or managing money that isn't just straight by. I do that for people. So uh, <coughs> you guys tell me he went to a, I think he lives in Carolina, Virginia or someplace. place. He lives in Carolina, but he's right near the Virginia border, so sometimes he shops over. Well, he's, he's looking for <coughs> one of these uh, Toyota, they're Sequoias, aren't they? The really big super-duper Land Cruiser or something? Mm. I don't know, but... But evidently, there there are people out west love them because uh, they're great in the mountains, I guess. Anyway, he goes in the showroom, and the thing lists for seventy five grand, right? Um, so guess guess underneath the seventy five, guess what there is? Mar- market adjustment, twenty grand, ninety five, and somebody had already put a deposit down on it. So what does that tell you? Market adjustment, eh? Well, I mean, I, interesting cost item. Well, the, the weird part is, is a, a Jeep will cost you a hundred. So I'm, I'm sure the thing's nicer than a than a Jeep, I mean, or is nice, and it would probably bigger. So I mean, it's not like, it's not like, it, in their mind, they're wrong. <laughs> and you're in my mind, we're going, what the hell, right? But the, I'm sure their mind, they're they're letting you off easy. It's under a hundred. <laughs> but the, the weird part is. There are some people that just say, "Okay, I, I see a comeback for the Yugo." Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't. I mean, I can't. I, <laughs> of course, when when the Yugo came out, you needed. They were really, really cheap, but you had to buy two because one of them was going to break down. You needed the other one. But what, so, what happens if if you if you do that? Okay, and say you say you pony up the ninety five and you drive the thing out. 
all of a sudden some garbage truck backs up into you. Now, is the insurance going to give you 95 or 75? There you go. I, I, they're going to give you 75. I think they're going to give you 70, if that. <laughs> because uh, full, you know, I mean, people evidently are paying for, But, I mean, these the the the, the, the uh, piece of paper I have here buried someplace where they talked about the different, in the last three decades, the different groups of people, different 20% groups, and how which, you know, for after World War II to like 1978, every group grew about the same amount per year in terms of income. Now, the low people were still making less than the, than the high people, but in terms of wage growth, everybody was pretty much the same. And then in the last 25 years or 30, the high group has grown way faster than any of the others. As a matter of fact, some of the lower groups are actually going to less in, term, in terms of inflation. But if you take the 1% out of the top 20%, they're down too. So even <clears throat> when people like on TV, geez, you know, the, the, ri- the rich people... You say the rich people. If you say you're making quarter million a year or three hundred thousand a year, you're you're the rich people. Well, even those people haven't haven't kept pace. I mean, if if you actually had, you know, the uh, that particular, if you made three hundred grand fifteen years ago and you bought a really nice house somewhere in the burbs or wherever, I don't think you're keeping pace. I'll bet you're not up, you know, twenty percent or thirty percent in your salary in the last ten years. And I'll bet your taxes are up at least that. I'll bet the schools your kids go to, if they're private, are probably up at least that. But I, don't, I don't think even those guys are keeping pace. Do you? I doubt it. I doubt it. The only people who are, who are keeping pace have more money than, well, not more money, but almost as much money as God. And uh, and so, you know, who is out there accumulating property, accumu- you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, they're... And, and it's certainly the same group of people who had big financial benefit through all of the uh, pandemic measures that we took. Well, I, uh, I find it, I mean, I look at the uh, well, the difference between, well, the difference between me, and, me and, and Russell in terms of our economic background, and that Russell will be on today with, uh, by the way, Carl's going to be calling in a little bit on Kevin's hour, and we're going to have uh, Dan Janinas calling in on, on Russell's hour because we're not on tomorrow or Friday. But, uh, the difference is, is, is Russell's a, a serious business economics e- economist, and uh, and I, I I never really got into that side too much. That's why I learned so much from him. I'm more of a behavioral economist, and the other side of the, so, the arts and letters kind of economist, the George Stigler side. And uh, it's it's I look at some of the stuff that's happening, Kevin. And I just look at what that means to society. You know, I was really stunned when I was looking at. The Tulane Stadium, the new Tulane Stadium, because you you know you were at the Tripoli last week. We were we were forced to watch the Tulane game, right? And it struck me as God, that stadium looks pretty small. <laughs> they're not they're not in the uh, Superdome anymore, and it clearly wasn't the old Tulane Stadium. How can we figure out? You know, there's an estimate of how many rats they found when they tore down the old Tulane Stadium, the old Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that, that boy talking about a rickety joint. But uh, mm. anyway, it was a great game when the Irish beat Alabama. But I, it came down. I'm going to say a couple of years after that, didn't it? Maybe 75, 76. You know, they shifted yeah, it. Yeah, sometime after the Superdome. Yeah, they shifted it all over there to the Superdome. Anyway, so they, they have this new stadium, and I'm thinking, so I immediately Google the thing up, and it turns out the stadium is, now you look at the stadiums, and they're, they're most stadiums, even Notre Dame just put you know 20,000 extra seats on. They're in the 80s, Michigan. Uh, they, actually, they didn't. They put Notre Dame put the... The extra seats on back in the nineties. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The most recent project actually cut back on the number of seats they had in favor of luxury suites. 
Well, that's kind of my point. But still, I know you're going there. You know what I'm saying, but still, Michigan and Ohio State—they now have luxury suites, but they still have hundred thousand other seats. You know, for like oh yeah, for and Notre like, Dame still has eighty thousand instead of eighty-one. So, but so your 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 thrust, your marketing thrust, at least on on paper, is to the students, is to blue-collar people, and I won't say blue-collar, but people in Ohio that even though the tickets are eighty or a hundred bucks, they're not five hundred bucks. Um, so the object is to get a real lot of people there. To watch the game, and oh, by the way, there's some luxury suites for the for the big fish, uh, and but now it seems like it's the Tulane Stadium is there's only thirty thousand seats, forty five hundred of which are premium seating, so it's a totally different. I mean, I can't help but notice the difference in the math, and now <laughs> reading the last hey, well, week. Hey, keep well, it finish your thought. I'm saying, but now last week, I look at Northwestern, which is now trying to redo Ryan Field. And they're, they're doing the same thing. I think it's only going to hold like 35,000. I'm sure, whatever, several thousand of that's going to be. Pre- so we're, we're not really trying to attract the, 80, the $80 ticket schmo. We're trying to attract the guys that are going to pay for the skybox and all the other stuff and the business class. It's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, Kevin, but it, it's, it's, it's clearly a change. Because we, we don't think that the lower class people can actually afford the 100 bucks and the parking to get here. We're not even going to try and attract them. We know they can't do it. Well, I, I think that I think there may be some truth to that. Every, look, everybody's got different models here, but yeah. um, but it's uh, you know in the case of Tulane, I, I, I went and looked, and last year they had one game that drew twenty thousand people. I, I get it. I mean, I, and that that was their game against Southern Mississippi, um, which I'm sure brought its own set of group, you know group of fans to that game. Um, whether it's you know just local alumni or whomever, but that that probably had is why that was their highest ranked game. I, I think part of it is people don't go to games as much, and it may be expense, it may be all expense, but it's also the fact that game after game is on television, um, and uh, and they've you know colleges kind of gorped up their game anyway, so that they take four hours most of the time, and it's I mean there, there's so much in it. But here, here's the other uh, factor, and it, it, this will vary from college to college. And that is, um, you, you've talked about the the uh, impact of game times uh, a lot, and I think that's a, a big factor. When, you know, more night games, more uh, uh, more late afternoon games. It used to be when a lot of the games were played at one o'clock that you could day trip it from several hours away oh, yeah. and still be home at dinner or shortly thereafter. And now, you know, if you want to go to a game, it's an all-day commitment, um, and, and it may be an all-weekend commitment for many. And, you know, I, Notre Dame used to live uh, for those day trippers, all the people coming in from Chicago or, or Indianapolis or Grand Rapids, and now their whole experience is built around a game weekend. And so the only way they sell tickets now, or the biggest reason that they sell tickets, and they don't sell out anymore like they used to, um, so the the only the only reason that they sell all uh, uh, tickets is that people don't want to travel from far away, commit everything they have to for uh, you know hotels and 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 flights and all of that unless they have a ticket in hand, which is actually kind of foolish because you can get really cheap tickets right before the game. But uh, you know just just to finish off the thought, that's their model. I don't think that's Ohio State's model. I think Ohio State is still counting on the day trippers and getting a lot of people from around the state because uh, you know because it is they have a more concentrated fan base. Uh, 
where I'm going with this, though, is that Notre Dame had a very aggressive uh, uh, seat licensing type of promote, uh, you know, uh, push uh, several years ago. Ten, it's probably it's been at least ten. Everybody got uh, Dak got caught up in that. It was he was forty grand for a decade for four seats. Yeah, and then and so you you ponied up this this big quote donation because they could make that tax deductible, and then and then you had your you know your dips on your seats. Now they're not selling out the stadium. It makes no sense. So they built a whole financial mo- model around this stadium expansion that makes no sense whatsoever anymore because there's no reason to pony up the forty grand. You can get tickets for every game. You can probably get tickets. You know, for Boston College last week, you probably could have gotten tickets on Friday. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and possibly on a uh, a third party, uh, you know, like a Ticketmaster or something for less than face value. So, you know, that, that's that's a big change in college football in general. Uh, it's a little more difficult to sell out their games. You know, it's television. It's the commitment of the time. It's all of those things that are just driving fans away from the stadium. And I think Northwestern is actually being really smart trying to, you know, uh, 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 downsizing to a 35,000-foot stadium, or 35,000-foot, 35,000-seat stadium. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the, the ones that sunk a lot of dough into the, into the building are going to have some regrets. Well, yeah, the, I, and I can remember, I think the, the furthest I ever saw anybody do the day trips was a, one of the VPs at Pullman, who I think played ball for Michigan. I mean, he's, he was old when I was young, but uh, he, God, he's been dead for 40 years. But he, he, his family, he and his family would leave, I think he was Arlington Park or some damn place. They would, they would go to the Michigan game every Saturday. And they would have, and they would make it back by midnight or something. But um, you look what you did in the Notre Dame games. Though the when it was at one o'clock and the games were over at I'm going to say four, they would get in their car and you couldn't get into Heston's or Skip's other place or all these kind of really decent steak places all in the southern Michigan or, or northern Indiana. The people had dinner there seven times or six times a year. Everybody had their routine. I don't think those places get any people from Notre Dame anymore. If I mean, if they do, I it's more. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So I mean, it's but but Chicago is an easy an easy run. I mean, you know, my parents come down. We don't. My mom would have the trunk full of food, and everybody head out there and, and eat her out of. Oh yeah, those were great. You know, <laughs> when the when the parents came when when we were in school because yeah, that meant food. So <laughs> you head out there. Food. The game would be over. I mean, it was three hours. I mean, it wasn't three hours. Two hours forty five minutes. So if it was one o'clock. The game's over at whatever quarter to four, three thirty, and everybody's plenty of time to come back to Chicago, even if you had a drink after the game in a parking lot, and, and everybody plenty of time to get back. You're back in Chicago six thirty-seven. You know, it's it's not even a bad day trip, and it's uh, it wasn't Michigan, but yeah, I mean every, everything you do. That, that's my point, Kevin. That's that's my that's my shtick in economics is everything you do affects somebody else, and, and whatever. You, so I, I'm going to guess that Northwestern is going to have incredible amount of boxes where you, if you're going to go if you're going to invite somebody to a game up there you're going to say I have a box by the way who cares if we even watch the game because we're going to sit there and talk business and have food and have, have drinks and, it's, well, and, and who cares if you're going to watch the game anyway because it's Northwestern yeah I just I still think by the way uh, I talked to a couple of people last night that are, are heavily into sports and uh, no, nobody as of now agrees with me that this whole new model is rife with problems and I I don't know how the with, with, with the idea that 
somebody from a school is going to be contacting somebody in another school and offering him a bunch of money from other from third parties. I, I just I think some people don't have a stomach for that, Kevin. I really don't. I mean, some schools, but we'll, well see. I, I I have some I have some thoughts about that. Um, and uh, just you know, quick summary because I know we're going to have to cut the break in a yeah. second. That's okay. But, Carl Carl uh, love to get in on this too, so we can we, we can yeah, uh, and, and we'll get Carl in on it. But one of the one of the things that we've done is we brought a lot of stuff above board. That's that part of it's good. The problem is it's chaos. And uh, um, and I think the the NCAA was so unprepared to lose, despite losing at every tur- turn through the le- legis- or through the legal process. So it's it's unfathomable to me that that they didn't have a clue of what they were going to do. Um, and, and and I think there is some basis for them stepping in and. Uh, and trying to rein it in at least a little bit, so we can talk a little bit more about. Well, I may. I'm going uh, to be on the side of uh, not so much, you know, how it's going to legit versus not not legit. I'm just looking more at the process. I, I mean, one of the guys, Tom Shannon, used to do the show. He used to tutor kids in high school for uh, um, that were most of them were the athletes, right? But he, but Tommy's really bright, so he plus he likes doing stuff for people anyway, so. He would tutor kids because sometimes a really good football player, all of a sudden the uncle or the dad would, would end up with a new pickup truck. You know, and he goes, they basically never pot to pee in, so they didn't buy the pickup truck. But I, I think the person who says, I want, you know, Matt Byrne to go to Notre Dame and buys his dad the pickup truck, I, I think, I think you, you ate the money. You went in, you paid, paid dough for it, and you gave it to, uh, or you paid the money to, and you gave it to Matt's dad. There was no, there was no, you you ate it. You didn't try and deduct it. You didn't try and do anything. But as it becomes more formal, the person who's going to give the 50 grand to quote the the Notre Dame group that pays these kids, you're not going to be real happy with the fact that that 50 is not tax deductible. It's a whole, whole, I mean, if it's a small amount where you give it right to somebody, I think you're probably all right with it. You know what I'm saying? But this brings up a whole new can of worms because now all of a sudden, Mad's dad is paying income tax on that pickup truck, which he can't afford, right? So, mm. I mean, all of a sudden, this a whole, we're entering a whole new world that there's a lot of details in the new world. I think that people have kind of run right by Kevin, but I guess that's normal. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are, but let's let's do keep one yeah. thing in mind that there's there's this standing stereotype of what the student athlete is. They are not all poor. They right. are not all, you know, overmatched or underrepresented mm. or anything. I mean, y- yeah, you have your cases of that, but they always like to talk about that when we say the poor, the poor student athlete, and they aren't the poor student athletes either. They're pretty damn savvy, and uh, you know, uh, and, and you know, Some and their families, their families get pretty jaded pretty quickly in the process, and and they get the right kinds of representation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess so that the, I, the, I'm glad that they're getting their due. It's just. They, it, it, it's it's just so hit and miss. I, I think the the, the, uh, the 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 athletes that are going to Stanford, Michigan, Notre Dame are a lot savvier than the ones that are going to Florida State. Just saying, or Memphis mm-hmm. or somewhere. I, I, Tom, I don't think that's true. Really? You know what? That that could yeah. very well. Let's be futures up five. Nancy futures up twenty six. Be right back. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments, 
You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Round up the usual suspects. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Alman. Mr. Burn on the board. SP futures up six. As a futures up thirty. Keeping it creeping up here is the people that are. A lot of people are reporting in the retail sector. I think it has to do with prices being up, but I'm not positive. But uh, Abercrombie and Fitch said they're doing well. Actually, yesterday we had BBY said they were, they were up seven bucks. So areas that you wouldn't have thought that were doing well all of a sudden seem to be or better than expected, wherever expected is. Who are these expectators? Like Richard J. Daly would have said, mm. Dow Futures up 14. But he said, who are these alligators? That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dax down 18 points, 0.3 percent. Putsy up 27.4 percent. Cac around up 90 cents. Call that flat. So we've got. Maybe slightly the upside, but pretty much losing in Europe. Uh, Nikkei up 170.6%. Shanghai up 8 points, 0.2. Uh, 
Uh, Hang Sang, after being down three four days in a row, is up 99 points, 0.6%, 17,500, way above the 14.5 uh, 14, low point of a few weeks ago. Uh, U.S. yesterday, Dow was up 397, almost 400. That's 1.2%. percent s and up 53, 1.4. NASDAQ up 149, 1.4. So it was a pretty big rally yesterday. Just kept creeping, creeping. No sellers really anywhere. Uh, bonds up one basis point, 3.77. So still pretty much under 4. It doesn't look like we're going to be at 4 anytime soon here. Uh, the bun, 1.99, so under 2%. Japan, 0.24, like they always are, 0.24 or 5. Oil down a buck seventy-five, under eighty bucks, seventy-nine twenty. Rent down two bucks, eighty-six twenty-three. Natural gas up forty-nine cents. We're up to seven twenty-seven after being under six dollars maybe ten trading days ago. So this continues to be very, very volatile. Uh, gold down a buck seventy, seventeen thirty-eight, but still in the mid seventeen hundreds. Silver up twenty cents, twenty-one twenty-five. That's been the bigger mover of the two of them lately. Uh, copper unchanged three sixty-two. We have Bitcoin up three seventy-eight, sixteen five. As that whole area continues to shake out, we'll, obviously we're keeping an eye on that. And we've got the uh, uh, U.S. dollar. We've got the euro, the euro is up 20, so the dollar is down a little bit. Mm. We have the G, and the British pound is at 119. The British pound's made a much bigger comeback than the uh, euro. The euro was uh, 97 cents on the low to 103. The pound was 104 on the low, and it's back to 119. So the pound has bounced back more. I don't know if it has anything to do with the austerity or whatever it is, but it is bounced back more. Matt, Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Hey, good morning, everyone. Currently 6.38 a.m. on November 23rd, 2022. Uh, traffic in Chicago, we're looking at normal traffic this morning, though keep in mind an accident on the Dan Ryan blocking two right lanes westbound. Accident occurred around exit 56B. It involves four cars and a tractor-trailer, and no, that's not the start to a country-western song. Uh, expect delays up to 10 minutes. Uh, weather in Chicago, clear skies and 34 degrees. Today, expect a high of 57 degrees and clear, sunny skies. Later on this week, we're looking at possible light rain this weekend, starting on Saturday evening, going into Sunday, with temperatures going back to freezing Sunday night. In Phoenix, clear skies, 44 degrees. Clear skies to continue all day with a high of 73 degrees. Phoenix is looking to have similar conditions from here throughout the weekend. Tonight in the NBA, Bulls play Milwaukee Bucks at 7 o'clock. Bulls won their Monday night game against Celtics, uh, final score 121-107, bringing them their seventh win this season. Blackhawks uh, play against Dallas Stars tonight. Uh, game starts at 7.30 p.m. Week 12 in the NFL starts up with a couple Thanksgiving games tomorrow. First, Bills at Lions in Detroit. That game will start at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. Bills 7-3, Lions 4-6 this season. At 3.30, Cowboys at home with Giants. Both teams 7 wins, 2-3 losses this season. And finally, at 7.20, we'll see the Patriots battled out with current NFC North leader, the Minnesota Vikings. As well as that, this Sunday, November 27th, we'll see the Bears play the Jets at noon. Bears not doing too well with only three wins this season. We'll see if that changes on Sunday. Well, for now, back to you, Chief. Are you playing quarterback? Me? Yeah. Yeah. They got, they, I, th- I think they're, they're taking any, anyone who's uh, anyone else. They're taking anyone else. They can't. <laughs> the, uh, so I think I should play quarterback because that would throw everybody off because uh, I would just so, so thoroughly upset the speed of the game. But they wouldn't know what to do. Oh yeah, they wouldn't. Uh, remember the Stooges where uh, <laughs> Curly put the thing in his back, and they go quarterback, halfback, and he goes fullback, and he had a big <laughs> bulk. Yeah, we got to pull that. We got to send that out to the listeners. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Tweet it out to the listeners. <laughs> the uh, hey, uh, so this morning on the way in, Carl online. Do we have Carl? We do indeed. You do, Carl. Uh, here I thought Car- Carl. I thought Carl was at the uh, the Polish bar. Uh, was it yesterday morning at at eight o'clock, trying to get in because. Uh, those that don't know, uh, Chicago has the uh, 
out of out of uh, Warsaw. They had the biggest Polish American Polish Catholic population of any city in the world. Mm. I'm sure they don't anymore, but and we also have a huge Hispanic population. So Mexico was playing Poland yesterday. So all these bars were jammed at eight o'clock in the morning. They've been planning on it for months. You know, food and everything else. Evidently, the game went to a the beauty of soccer, a zero-zero tie. What, so what, is, what does that do for you? <laughs> anyway, just. Well, you know, you never know. It's and and, and I'm part Polak, so uh, you know when people when people start with the with the Polish jokes, I I chime in with them and they're like, "Oh, you know, you're a terrible bigot." Yeah, well, guess what, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the, I'm one of the few guys that Kevin and I can can mention the word Mick because we're Irish, you know, and so forth, but. Uh, I get to do that for both sides, Irish and Italian. I'm half and half. So there you go. Yeah, you know it is what it is. I just, I mean, I yeah, this, go ahead. It, it, so the, uh, you know, I've been listening to some of your stuff. Uh, you know, this morning I, I had to get up a little earlier than normal and fill myself full of espresso so that I can actually have a coherent conversation with you. Uh oh, uh oh, we have caffeinated Carl here. <laughs> that's the, well, you always get caffeinated Carl because I, you know, that's that's part of my morning thing, but. Uh, you know, set the alarm a little earlier. I didn't know uh, whether or not you wanted the, you know, part of the first hour or, or just the second. Uh, <laughs> we we would have we welcomed you at, at five after six. We're always welcome. You know, one of the things that I uh, that that I found rather interesting was you know you're talking about like the the whole incentive thing within collegiate sports and the shift that has happened uh, with going from. The day trip to the the weekend experience kind of thing, right? And, and you're right in that you drive behavior with incentives. I mean, we all know this. What what makes everybody think that this doesn't you know this doesn't apply across the board with absolutely everything that we do? Well, it does. That's exactly that could be the well, well, the only theme well, of the yeah, show. But, Carl. That's, yeah. uh, but you know what? It's you see it in these in, in, in these kinds of instances, and then everybody just kind of poo-poo's it when it when we start talking about literally everything else. Uh, everything. If there is a theme to the show, Carl, is that everything depends on everything else, and the in- instincts of people are pretty much the same everywhere. If there is a theme. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, if, if you want if you want more of something. One of the best ways to get more of something is to provide an incentive for somebody to do it. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you do that, you're going to get more of it. I, it doesn't matter what it is. And so, you know, we, <laughs> it's, it's just, to, just to kind of, you know, underline this and talk about one of the things that I, I have up in the, my blog entry for the morning. Uh, the, the Department of Labor issued a final regulation yesterday that says that it is now considered okay, does not violate fiduciary responsibility for a retirement fund manager to take into account ESG in their investment decisions. Uh, think, think about what that, what, what that statement actually says in the context of the fact that Elon Musk bought Twitter fired three-quarters of the people that work there, and it still works. Well, it's worked for a little while. Well, with, well but, but the the prediction was that there would be instantaneous doom. Okay, that, that literally, the, you know, 
the, the guy who turns the lights on in the morning is not going to be there, and therefore the entire thing is done. And it's going to blow up in his face you know, within, within hours. Well, it's been a couple of weeks now. And it hasn't blown up in his face, has it? Well, I, I think if somebody like you or the three-headed monster, the three of us, um, went to a place that had 30,000 employees, I can't even imagine that, but suppose they do, and we spent a year, because Kevin is really into this, uh, we went a year, we could probably find maybe even whole divisions that are duplicate, duplicate, duplicative, and we could probably find a way to get rid of 2,000 people. And at the end of the day, maybe with some incentives, some other places, and some, some maybe some hiring in some areas that are actually short people, we could probably straighten the place out a little bit, no matter who it is. And we we could say we're down two thousand people, and it doesn't affect us. But if you walk in on day one and you say everybody get rid of thirty percent of your people, you don't have no idea who the hell you're firing. So, well, that's well, yeah, that's true. But here's I, I I don't think Musk did that. Okay. Um, well, because he did, at least from what's been publicly known, he did apply a selection filter. Uh, and and one of the selection filters was thou shalt all start coming back to the office and actually work in the building. Well, then I would I would agree with that in a second. Me. Well, and, and anybody who complained about that got canned. Okay, so <laughs> there's you know there was a selection there, there was there was at least one publicly known selection filter. My suspicion is there were probably three or four more that you know haven't been reported for whatever reason and. Uh, Part of that being that if you open your big fat mouth, you're likely to not get your severance. Uh, the other thing that was was amusing about this is that the instantaneous response was for several groups of employees to sue under the Warren Act, and the Warren Act says that if you go to lay people off and you're a large enough company that it applies to you, that you have to either provide them with 60 days notice or 60 days severance. In other words, you can pay people to not work, okay? There's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You could say, uh, well, here's your 60 days notice. Uh, you know, you're going to be fired on January 1st if it's November 1st. If you're, if you're fired on January 1st, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to pay you through January 1st, but you don't have to come into the office. And, and if you try, you'll find out that your badge doesn't work. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any question, Carl. I mean, this is not. I mean, this is no slap at people that are. I know people that are planning on working at home like forever. In a, in a couple of places, they even they even got rid of their downtown office. I mean, but it seems. Oh to, yeah. It seems to me that if I unless you're, you know, Kevin's an engineer, and every week I get a drawing from the guy, showing my age, and and the drawing is something nobody else could do, and I know he's working his ass off because I get the thing every week. If it's somebody I never met after six months or a year. I don't know what he or she does. I'm going to say, let's let's fire him and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, if, if they don't care enough to even come in and meet me, at some point I'm going to go, you know, I don't know who the hell they are, but I don't think I need them. I, I, well, and and I, and I'm the yeah, softest guy on exactly, earth. That, that, I think, is exactly the point, is that the, the evidence is that, a, it is that a huge percentage of these people literally sat around, played with themselves, and collected a six-figure paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and, and then you have well. And one of the other things that was that was put out there was was this second challenge that you supposedly issued, and this again was one that ended up in the press. Uh, is that if you're a coder, uh, send me a you know send me a piece of your code, uh, explain to me why it was good code, 
and show me where it was committed into the into the code base and you know and, and why you did it basically what the what the purpose of this was um, and and the, the reality of it is having, having been a software developer and a you know, guy who writes this stuff for a very long time, right? I mean, you know, I, I was writing code back in the 1970s, so there you go. Uh, I can tell you that there was absolutely no possible way that Musk, I don't care how smart he is, could take a look at the submissions from, you know, three or 4,000 of these guys and gals and, and actually evaluate whether or not they're, they're full of it or not in the amount of time that he had. Uh, it's it's not possible. It's not humanly possible. So my guess is that the entire reason for this exercise was that he knew that ninety percent of these people were going to submit nothing because they had nothing to submit. <laughs> well, that could be. I mean, I, Kevin, what uh, what would uh, Carol, you you've listened to Kevin enough to know that he's and uh, you would have loved to meet his people last week, his the deans and stuff that were. He has three three ladies that are over him. Yeah, I thought vice that was chancellor, a, a dean, and one of my. Uh, um, um, counterparts uh, uh, there so we had you know two two program chairs and uh, uh, and, a, and a vice chancellor and a dean so he has to listen to three it was females a, it was all a day meeting long. frenzy yeah. of whatever it is we do and uh, but uh, what how, in your oh God, how can I put this correctly in, in your level of stuff Kevin the people that you guys are bringing from and on your vocational side uh, the people you're training to be warehouse people machine people, uh, supervisors, maybe marketing people, procurement people. How many of those people don't show up for? I'm going to say that, that the idea of working for home on any of those levels doesn't even exist, does it? Except for maybe a day or two a week. Um, no, it it really doesn't. And you know, my my typical student for the supply chain program is, uh, you know, they're they're people who have families, they have full time jobs, and they're coming to school. These are motivated people. Okay. Well, that, that, that I always my hat was always off to those yeah, I mean, people. They, they would look at something like you know, uh, you know, someone uh, complaining about uh, having to go into the office. And, oh, you know, just look at them go, poor baby. Yeah, Carl, did you ever take a a class at night? Yeah, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, well, I I was at the uh, well when I, when I came for whatever inexplicable reason, the University of Chicago when it, when a, when a professor taught a course. You know, they didn't teach every quarter, but say they did. Whatever the subject was, they taught on campus, which used to be in Hyde Park, but I think the campus might be downtown now. And then they taught a night class at the 190 program, which was in a crummy building by the by the Sears Tower, uh, not Sears Tower, the Hancock building without even any air conditioning. And they marked everybody on a curve, which you can only imagine. I'm, now, I was a pretty bright guy, and I'm fresh out of college. And I, and I got nothing else to do when I worked at, on the weekends at the truck docks, but I could play basketball and study. And they marked everybody on a curve. I'm going to say that in two, two years, there wasn't one person downtown that ever came within 10% of me in any test we ever took. It was, it was just an unfair game. Until the summer, they said, here's the deal. If you take two classes at night in the summer because we're kind of not full up, we'll do it for like 900 bucks. And oh, by the way, if you take another class along the way, you can graduate a quarter early. So I jumped all over this. So I took two night classes. The difference between two 75-minute classes and three 50-minute classes in terms of your, your being able to process stuff. And I'm sitting there going, it's hotter than hinges of hell. There's no AC, and I'm taking a advanced accounting, which is the world's worst course. And I'm, having, I'm struggling, even though I could 
study at school as a janitor during the day. I couldn't imagine these people that had kids were going to get home at midnight after working all day. I can't even imagine that. And so when Kevin talks about this, because I did it, unless you do something, you never really know how hard it is. Uh, My head is so off to these people that work all day, especially in a factory, do this at night, then go home and... The kids are on you. To, who knows if the wife or husband's on you? But that 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 to me is that's America for God's sake. And, uh, yeah, you know what? When, when I went to grad school, Tom, and this is why I'm so empathetic to these people, is uh, you know I went to graduate school. I did 26 courses in 22 months. I was a full time you know manager. I was running the systems and programming department at uh, at a bank, and uh, uh, and I was uh, and I had kids, and you know and I had no life <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. Uh, it, it is, you know, there, there are, you know, we, we lament a lot of stuff with society, but there is some really cool stuff out there and, and some really cool people out there. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I wish the stories were told more um, because, uh, and, and so maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm getting in Thanksgiving spirit here. What am I thankful for? Um, but, you know, I, I really, really love these students. I just adore these students because they are so motivated and so cool, and they have to, you know, they're fighting for every scrap they get. Well, I'm going to say, Kevin, this is a, well, Carol, help me with this. I'll take a shot at Kevin here. But it's not a shot. It's, it's, I mean, when you, when you, you mentioned earlier about, Carol, we were talking about the new stuff in sports and how it's all going to work its way through, being tax deductible, not tax deductible, taxes being paid, all this kind of stuff that really didn't enter the fray before. I'm going to, I mean, Kevin mentioned that a lot of these kids are really savvy. And I'm going to say, Kevin, that the, the basketball players at Notre Dame that you would interview after a game were really pretty savvy. But I'm going to say if somebody else at most of the other schools, there's a, there's a broad brush, let's say Tennessee. <laughs> Carl's, no, I'm not going to say Tennessee. But, I mean, if you give some kid a $50,000 car, I think you're going to have the most surprised person on earth at the end of the year to say, by the way, you owe 15% payroll taxes and income tax on this car. I think the, oh, yeah. I think the kid is going to be stunned. Well, well they're, 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 they're totally representing themselves, but they're not. That's not yeah. the way it's being set up for like, you know for, through these schools, and and some of the schools are way more hands on than others. But uh, essentially, whether it's the school or whether it's a third party type of agency, they are working as they're working like agents. They're they're like a talent agency, and they're placing them and they're making sure that the withholding is set up. I mean, they're doing all of that. Well, th- that's not the part that worries me. The part that worries me is um, is what you've talked about, you've discussed before, where you said, uh, you know, is, is that part of the recruiting process now? How much are you going to pay me? Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad in concept. It's just gone off the deep end at some place. Well, somewhere along the line, and maybe you know this or maybe Carl does, did the rule that's saying the minute you have an agent makes you a professional did that rule go by the dodo bird, or is, or is it just being overrun? Well, do you have an agent, or do you have somebody representing your marketing rights? And, uh, yeah, it's... Here, here's my problem with it, Tom, is the NCAA still has a rule uh, that the athletes cannot get benefits that aren't available to the student body in general. So when the athletics department sets up its own operation for uh, placing them, it is, in fact, giving them uh, an extra benefit. I would feel somewhat more comfortable with all of this being run through 
whatever they call it at the school. You know, we used to call it the placement office, but they're, you know, they, they have career people who create work and learn experiences and do, you know, do all kinds of stuff like that. So I would feel, A, much better about it being handled by professionals, and B, I have no faith <laughs> in the integrity of any of these athletic departments, so I would just sort of assume that however they can bend the rules is how they're going to bend the rules, and uh, uh, and and so I, I would I would love to see it taken out of the athletics departments. Carol, I have to ask you a uh, I'm skipping around here a little bit, but that's okay. I have to ask you a, a market question. We've actually had some calls from some of not really my my clients at PTI, but some of the other places that are so convinced now that we've we've come back, you know, five or six percent, and and the markets that are absolutely convinced now they don't want to do any hedging between now and the end of the year because the markets are going to run up and at the end of the year we're going to be up. That's what they're being told every day. Uh, is this is this somewhat of a dead cat bounce or a bear market bounce here? Or are we, are, I see things falling apart by the day, and yet the, the, the world seems to be retail stores are saying they're doing good, Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, even Abercrombie & Fitch, for God's sake, all saying that they're doing good. Is it just price increases? I mean... What is, is is the all clear here, or or is, or is the people getting laid off and the the rungs coming out of the stool? It seems to be there. Am I, is that just a fabrication, or are we good here? No, we're not. But but I will. I, I pay attention to credit markets, especially in the leveraged area, much more than I pay attention to anything stocks. When I'm looking at a leading indicator, the stock stock prices tend to be a trailing indicator. Um, and, and you know, there's there's the old saw that the guy in the bond market is a, a whole lot smarter than the guy in the stock market, and it's not because he's actually smarter; it's that he only survives if he is. <laughs> and they all start with the same amount, you know, the same distribution of intelligence. But the guy, the guy in the credit market that that has rocks in his head gets carried out of his shield within a few days. <laughs> and the guy in the equity market can get away with it for a fairly significant amount of time. It, it just has to do with how much leverage is running around the credit markets. It's, it's insane. So when you make a mistake, you get blown up. And that's the, that's the deal. And what I'm seeing there is, is a, an indication that for the next short period of time at least, that things are probably okay. But this is not surprising. You take a look at what happened in 2008. Okay, we, we all know, you know, what the fall of 2008 looked like, right? Yeah. There was a violent counter-trend rally right about this time that went all the way through the end of 2008. And it wasn't until, it was almost, almost literally a January 1st when it turned and, and the final terminal dive. And, and, you know, oh my God, the world is coming to an end, started. So there's, and, and you know, the, the, the people call it Santa Claus rally, you know, whatever have you. But there is, and, and the other thing is, you know, holiday weeks have a habit of, the, the days in front of them have a habit of being positive as well. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not all that surprised that we've, you know, we saw this. I've, if, if you have access to uh, to the trading in the bar areas on my forum, which you can only get by actually being a contributor and not being a, a twit for some period of time, uh, there's a lot of people at day trade that, that show up and comment there. And and there's a few of them that are, they, they have a decidedly bearish bias. 
at the present time, and that's no surprise given inflation and debt levels and everything else. You know, you look at the consumer credit report. Where's all this? Where's all this so-called money coming from? It's not. It's going on credit cards. Yep. Oh yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, this is I mean, from a macro perspective. I don't. I don't see anything good. And from a from an operational perspective within the economy, you know, people are saying, "Well, gas prices are coming down." Well, it's true, but diesel is not. And everything moves and gets produced with diesel fuel. Okay, so, you know, if, if you think the pricing pressures are going to come off, uh, you're crazy because there's certainly no indication that that's happening, especially in the transport and trade in trade areas. Um, so, no, but, I, you know, would no, I be well, I surprised? Think we're going to free up a lot of diesel fuel with the railroad strike, so we should be all right. Okay. Oh, well, that'll, that'll work out real well when nothing's moving around by rail, you know. I mean, that, that'll just be fabulous for the American consumer. I think it's great. You know, we'll have uh, we'll have a lot of stuff that uh, normally is moved by uh, by trucks on, well, you know, intermodal transportation where they take a container, they put it on a train, it goes, so, you know, 80% of the way there and the last 20 is by truck. I, let's just stop all the trains. I'm sure that'll be just perfectly fine. Hey, we, we got a dash here, guys. I'm sure we had a deal. I know there was a press conference about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was. By the way, you, both of you gentlemen, I'm sure heard on Stocks and Jacks that I have a, a couple of guys, one in particular, although he's yet to take me for the ride in the locomotive, locomotive he promised, says this thing is was never about wages. It was always about working conditions and work rules. Mm. And these guys, yeah. cut, and yet the people on TV cannot understand that. The government can't understand that. It's all about, these guys are on call 24-7. If you don't show up twice, you're fired. That's right. Uh, next week, maybe Monday, uh, if either one of you gentlemen wants to volunteer, is there a chance we could do a 15-minute thing on, on this railroad strike? Because I think it's pretty important. Mm. So if, any, sure. if you, either one of you is interested, just let me know. Otherwise, we have to head off to uh, uh, Professor Russell. You guys have a great Thanksgiving, everybody, and uh, be safe. SP Futures up 550, NASDAQ is up 26. Be right back. Professor Russell Rhodes. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. 
With devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Greed is good. Hello and welcome back to Jackson. I'm Tom Thomas, Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up five. Daisy Futures up twenty six. Nice job, Matt, with the two dudes on the phone. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it was fun. Uh, boy, talk about uh, two bright guys to have on, on, a, on a nice Wednesday morning. It's a, yeah, it's fun to have. It, I think it's fun to have a full house. You yeah, know it really mean? is. Yeah. Uh, it's a. Uh, although it's 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 better. Do we have Mr. We have the professor. We do indeed. Professor, how are you? You think we do? We, where is he? Uh, two there of the three is, people there on is. here would remember this. Remember when Carson was 90 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, and the last person was always some author nobody ever heard of. Um, and they often got they often got bombed. <laughs> After that first hour, I, I was afraid I was going to get bombed. No, no, those guys are, <laughs> those guys are uh, good dudes, aren't they? Oh yeah, no, they're great. They're great. I don't, I don't know how they ended up being friends with you, but hey, hey. Yeah, well, 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 Kevin, Kevin was stuck. He was stuck with me because of his, his his older brother was my roommate. I think we just lost Russell. Wow, well, there's Russell gone. Well, we'll we'll get, uh, him back. we'll get him back in a sec. But uh, yeah, the markets are. Yesterday we found it, uh, you know, sort of different to do any difficult to do any kind of rolls. The option markets are are you know I mean, there's not a whole lot of trade going on today, and uh, so we. You know we we'll have, we have to do some rolls today, but it'll, it'll be a struggle. I mean, there's a uh, there's no question. But that's uh, that's why people pay us the big bucks, right? So we we can do stuff, and we uh, normally can. We have Russell. Payton. We can. Uh, the uh, Russell, how are you? Yeah, I'm here. My dog stepped on the phone. <laughs> oh god, blame 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 the dog. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I was just Go ahead. I was just saying <laughs> the uh, um, yeah, the having those two guys, it's. Pretty interesting uh, slice of knowledge. I, uh, I actually I was thinking of you um, last week when we were uh, when Kevin was with his his people at uh, we were at the Triple E Tap. So we uh, uh-huh. 
and and we, you know, it was a uh, just a, a different, I'll say, kind of a, um, a a level of education. Not that those people aren't bright; they sure as hell are. Uh, but they're they're zeroing in mo- most of the uh, the the lectures and so forth that they were having at the Palmer House were for people mm-hmm. in different parts of the country that were how to how to attract the more the older student and how to make it so that that he, he you know Kevin was just talking about people who they work all day they come there at night how to make it so that maybe it's two nights classes or a Saturday class and one night you can do from home or something how you you have all the little tweaks you can do to make it more palatable for somebody to essentially carve out a chunk of their life to improve themselves it's mm-hmm. a, and it's a I think you would have found it fascinating because, oh, yeah. I, because I think you essentially this is not anything bad you get the students essentially presented to you I mean these these guys are part of their job is to recruit the students which is sort mm-hmm. of weird or li- they're different I had not really expected to hear all that you know in terms of that's what a lot of this, the conference was about I mean, how do you how do you increase your not just in terms of money and getting more students, but how do you get the person in the warehouse who's making 15 bucks an hour to realize that if he comes and takes a course for six months, he can get a certificate to where he's making 20 And if he likes that, then he can get another one to where he's, maybe now he's a procurement officer and he's making 25 or 30 or something. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's, it's, it's education like you do, but it's just totally separate level. I mean, it's a, and, and then, of course, they have their whole other part, where they have the regular junior college, where they, they shove people right to you as juniors in Purdue and those other kinds of places, because yeah. they have a really good relationship with both Indiana and Peru and Purdue. So that's yeah. Um, you know you know what else does a really good job around that is my former employer uh, Loyola. They I cannot remember the name of the junior college, but they purchased the junior college and put it on the downtown campus and if you do very well for the first two years there um you can you can work your way into Loyola. well you know the irish had the place across the street st joseph junior college mm-hmm. i don't really ever recall being in a class junior year where where somebody said hey by the way it's my two first two years across the street i i don't know that they mm-hmm. I think it was a junior college. I, I don't know if they ever let them into Notre Dame. <laughs> I don't know where they went. But no, 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 is that where they let Rudy in from? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they do. They they, they do. It's um, I, it, I, I I have students that 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 started out at Ivy Tech or another school like that, um, and the same thing at Loyola. I'd have people that started out at a junior college and worked their way in. Um, I, I I think they they don't run around bragging about it. Okay, you see well, what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm mm. just, I, not that there's hell. I I you know I paid my way through Memphis State, and honestly, I wish somebody had told me that I could have done you know all of my prerequisites at a much cheaper place mm. uh, for the first couple of years and then transferred in. I really wish somebody had told me that. That would have made my life a whole lot easier. Well, um, so I, I, I always think that's the best thing in the world. Well, there's only one thing, right. one thing worse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, uh, than than somebody coming out of uh, a school with a hundred eighty thousand dollar debt for for four years of a degree. It's having a ninety thousand dollar debt and having two years in that graduate. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, and there, there's a lot of that. There's yeah, an awful lot of that. Um, 
and uh, unfortunately, not every, not every. I, I've had this discussion like three or four times lately, but um, we're, we're missing out on so many people that have certain skills. Uh, it's it, it, you know, that pay very well that don't involve saddling yourself with a huge amount of debt. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've got a friend within the industry, so and it's it's really as a friend because he says something that could be considered a little controversial. Um, he's got a son, and he said, you know, if my son is not getting into a top school, I'm steering him toward a trade school. And um, he also has a daughter, and he said, well, no, 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 I'm probably <laughs> pay for her to go to regular college. Mm-hmm. It was funny the way he went. I was like, wow, that. Uh, I wouldn't say that publicly, but but he actually said that publicly. I don't. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. He goes, you know, my kid could, you know, my son, if you know, if he's not academically inclined, but but can do some other things. Mm. Uh, there's no reason he should go off to a four-year college and then end up probably in the position he's going to end up that doesn't require college. Well, you know, the the weird part is, uh, ev- most people, I mean. Uh, by the way, Russell's not 25. He's got a nice family and everything else. Is, I'm not going to say he's, but you're not, you're not my age either. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say that if you're if you're my age, you totally disagree with what you just said. And it's only because okay. it, it's it's not because you're wrong. It's because it's a mm-hmm. question of money. I mean, if you if you had a machine shop on the south side, uh, could have been anywhere. And, and and you you know you knew that your son or daughter was going to be the manager of the machine shop, okay, uh, mm-hmm. and and maybe happen to be a welder or something because they just like to do it or whatever. You would still at three grand a year or fifteen hundred a year at University of Illinois at the time. You would say, go get some education, and still come back and run. One, one, to me, one has nothing to do with the other. I mean, I, I never viewed college really as a vocational school. You know, where you get, some people did. I mean, to learn accounting, I'm going to work for a big eight firm, and I'm not going to go anywhere near the machine shop. That part I get. Mm-hmm. But, but for three grand a year, they were not mutually exclusive. And now they've become mutually exclusive, and that's mm-hmm. the part I absolutely bothers the well, and that's, and that, and that's because it's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't have but to be. But, but I don't... I, I feel like a lot, and, and I don't have the stats in front of me. It's early on a Wednesday morning, but my assumption is a larger percentage of Americans go to college now than I'm not saying graduated um, go to college now than went to college. You know, even in my generation, and it's almost like it's come across. It's almost like it's become sort of some sort of God-given right for you know most American teenagers to. Uh, get to continue school as opposed to get out in the working world. But I'm Even saying, if it's to go to college, you know, like going to camp for four years because nothing you learn gets applied in the real world. But, but why, why, can't, why can't the guy who, who works at his dad's machine manufacturing company, why can't he have a marketing degree if, if it's reasonably priced? Why, why does he have to, I won't say a dummy, why, why can't he be educated? Why does he have to be mutually exclusive if the price is right? Uh, if that, well, I mean, he could totally. That, that you just said somebody who's running a um, machine shop, and maybe if, if they decide they're going to send him to college, and if the family's business, their assumption is, is he's going to come back with something 
that they're going to be able to use right. for the machine shop. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's all, so that... That almost, that almost loops it back around to being vocational. Well, but I, I, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 really, it, 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 it's not so much about going to college or not going to college. Um, you know, I, I do okay. I saved enough that I can send my two daughters to college, no problem. Um, and, but if they're taking out massive loans that are going to saddle them with debt forever, and at the same time, they're not going to, you know, they, they, that's not going to have a direct impact on how much money they make. Yeah. And it's going to be a burden for 10 years because that's the, the time frame on paying off those loans. Um, you know, they, they shouldn't do that. It's just like, I mean, loop it back down to the corporate finance that I teach. You may, and in fact, I've got some practice questions around that, like, you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on. You're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars over the next year on a master's degree, and you believe that's going to increase your earnings power by ten thousand dollars a year for the rest of your thirty-five year career. Based on this discount rate, is that a good investment? Well, I mean, you know, I guess, and, and then and then I even I even put in there, and you're going to borrow the money and pay. You know, so you know the first ten years, you're going to be. You know, making these payments, I I, I loop it in all different kind in different directions, and from a financial standpoint, you know, does it make sense for you to go to college? Well, that is, and it really is what at eighteen that really is what in uh, uh, unless you come from a family where they're okay with you going to college and trying to figure out what. what, I'm, what I guess where I'm going with this, I'm I'm differentiating the people who screw themselves up financially yes. for a quarter of their life versus. Um, people that can actually pay for it. There's some unfairness in there, but unfortunately, life is kind of unfair. Well, it, but the, the the price, the put it this way, um, a person in 1974 when I graduated, a person at Pullman could make 16, 17, 18 grand a year, maybe 20, mm-hmm. in, in a factory. Northern education was all in was four. With with the room and board, okay. Fast forward, how many years? The 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 person at Pullman is now making forty grand a year, forty five if there was a Pullman. Say even mm-hmm. fifty in Notre Dame education, seventy. That's wrong. Yeah, it's totally wrong. Totally wrong. And I and, yeah, the, but, I, mean, and I think but, you have but, and, and the, the reason that it's become like that is there is a huge financial disconnect um, between at least the cost people. There's a big financial disconnect as far as thinking about the money that's being spent on college and having to think and thinking about paying it back. And if it's so easy for people to come up with money to pay for something, the price of it's going to go up, and I really do think that's what's happened with colleges. Well, I think it has too. But I mean, yeah. I come from a, a wacky family, but uh, in a sense that my uncles never—I'm sure—as soon as they were sixteen, they beat the hell out of high school, right? Yeah. yeah. If you if you talked to one of them, you would never have guessed. One was a master tool tool and die maker. Uh, uh-huh. The other one, you know, be any kind of politics, any kind of history, you could talk about Winston Churchill. He could give you the the light because all they did was read. My mother. Year before she died, was still taking classes in history or something at St. Exams at night. So it had nothing okay. to do with her getting a job. It had to do with 
I want to learn because I want to learn. I want to. I don't. I, don't, I want to be able to to be in every conversation. I'm able to con- contribute to conversations. Plus, I find it fascinating. You know, human events. Yeah. So it. it I guess I. I. I'll, I can never be talked into. You, you only go to school because you're gonna. It's gonna help you at your job. I'm just. It just was never the well, reason why I took a course. I mean, I just. Yeah, you, you can do whatever you want with with whenever you want, as long as you have the money and you're not hurting anybody else. Yes. But if you're you've got to if, if you're going to have to if you come from a situation where you're going to have to take out a lot of loans and you're going to have that and and you should think of a loan as an obligation. Oh, without a doubt. You know, not, and I don't think anybody thinks of a loan as an obligation. No. Um, but if if you're going to do that, you've got to weigh the, you know, you've got to, got to weigh the difference. If you come from a family like, um, you know, my, my, my daughter's boyfriend um, lives down in Orleans, and he lives in a big family, and he's got to, um, they take his paycheck. He works 20 hours a week, yep. and they take his, they take his paycheck. Much um, like Danny Newman yep. and um, Benchak. Um you know, that in, in, in a family situation like that, you've got to, you know, it, there's got to be some financial, you know, you, you, got, you should be thinking of it financially. Well, but, right, but it also comes down yeah. to is is it worth it? Because I want to shift gears here a little bit to yeah. kind of prep for uh, uh, Dan calling in because we're going to talk more about uh, worldwide debt loads and finance because I figure I can, I can shut up because you guys know way more about that than me. But here's where I'm coming with it. I, you know, let's say. You've got. I'll do the math here real quick. You do five courses a year. You've got forty kids in a class. I'll just be real simple. So you're teaching mm-hmm. two hundred kids a class. Okay, uh, two hundred two hundred class kids or whatever you want to call them. And let's say they're paying you two hundred grand. All right. Well, I know that me sitting my fanny in that class. I'm paying the teacher, the people, person I give a crap about, and the person who's teaching me, a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred. Pick a number. I hope you make more. Let's make you make four hundred thousand. Let's say two thousand. Well, if that class is costing me six, something is awry. I'm worried. Yeah, something. And part of it is actually really what it comes down to. And and I know these numbers for the California universities. 20, 30, 40 years ago, something like that. Now, again, there's a little asterisk because the source right now is my fading memory. But my understanding is, let's say 30 or 40 years ago, for every teaching professional, there was a support professional in the California, in the University of California system. Now it's like three to one. I have actually read stuff on Mm -hmm. the end that it's 10 to one. See, and I, I'm, I'm trying to keep the number low because I'm doing it from, from memory. But that's a big part of it. They've become these, you know, these massive places that that that, that have so much freaking bureaucracy, they, there's a cost to that. And it, there's probably a ton of unneeded bureaucracy. If you, if you, if the president of the university, I, they, they'd get, they, they'd get ridden out of town. They would get ridden out of town on a rail if they tried to do this. And the president of the university said, you know, I want to do a cost-benefit analysis of everybody's job here. Kind of like, but kind of like what I, I, I think uh, Elon Musk is hey, hey, Russell, can you, move, can you move to a different spot in the room? You're kind of breaking up. Oh, sure. Um, I was just saying, it, you know, it, uh, the president, if I were to do president of the university, 
the first thing that I think I would do is, uh, you know, and, and they would hate me for this, you would want to do a cost-benefit analysis of, uh, you know, every department and, and everybody's job. And I bet you you can find a whole lot of cost savings in well, a lot of big universities. The two people that left, how can, Professor, how can I say this politically correctly? The two ladies that left Clinton's administration, one of them was Janet Napolitano and the other one was, uh, there was another name, they both were like, uh, I'm going to say less than five feet, because that's how I remember them. One of them became the chairman of Miami. I think that might have been Napolitano. And one of them became... No, that was Shalala. Dennis, okay. She went there, and Napolitano became the president of uh, California school systems, correct? They both... I think so. Well, I think so. There's a, there's a building in Oakland with 300 people in it that are like overhead... For the seven universities. They're not even close to a university. Well, they're not that far from Berkeley, I guess, but uh, they're, they're not even close. I mean, they're, they're, they're not even on a university campus. There's mm-hmm. 300 people sitting there. I, I, I'm going to say five years ago, I read somewhere that if you divided the amount of money spent by the by the school system, we're talking about the seven, the seven big schools. It's Berkeley, it's UC Santa Barbara, UC... Uh, UCLA, uh, and there, there's mm-hmm. like seven of them. Uh, UC Long Beach, I think. But anyway, there's seven that are in that group. Cal Berkeley's probably the best, right? And uh, anyway, uh, I think it was the caught the their spending per student was a hundred thousand bucks. What the bleep? Yeah, I mean that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. But anytime you have. But I know now you have to have psychology. I mean, the, the world is a little different. You can't just have nobody. You got to have some psychologists. You got to have you know student nurses, and you got you got to care for students more than you used to. Uh, whether yeah. or not they actually get, but still, one and a half. I mean, you, got, you, you know, at University of Central Florida, they're building a giant lazy river. <laughs> lazy river for what? Well, you know, for students to decompress because their lives uh, are so hard. I would have liked that. Yeah. Yeah. What, do they have, they have McDonald's hamburgers floating along in the river? You just <laughs> grab one or what? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, there are many of these things. I'm, I'm glad, you know, I just went through the whole thing where I traveled around the country with my daughter looking at colleges. And, you know, they're, they're, they're all trying to compete on, on the amenity part as well. Heck, your, your, your school, have you been back to Notre Dame where they built the whole new student center? Uh, well, I know they were building one. I Last time I was there for a reunion like eight years ago, I couldn't believe the difference in the cafeteria. The oh yeah, well, yeah. The, you don't just have those two big uh, those two big dining halls anymore. No. Hey, uh, I have a question yeah. for you before uh, uh. we get Dan on here. Um, the, in terms of of the VIX here, I I'm looking at one of these one of the big holdings of stock in uh, one of the groups that I do some business with is Nvidia, right? You can tell when people watch CNBC because uh-huh. you know everybody yeah. has, you know Kramer's dog named Nvidia or something. The stock is from, went down from, went from three twenty five to one ten. Now it's back up to one sixty. So it's back up. I'm going to say forty five percent from the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's startling, Russell. If I even I don't even broach the subject because I know I'm, it's I'll get my head bitten off. But if I say you know the stock has made a fifty dollar rally, do you think you want to lock something in here or at least you know maybe do some calls or maybe protect half of it? Maybe what are you talking about? They're, in their mind. This is a brief aberration before the stock is back to 325. There is absolutely no idea 
that this could be some kind of a that there's a whole new valuation out there maybe it was like trying to talk to somebody uh, I don't think you were it was like trying to talk to somebody in August of 80 saying boy this market looks like it's kind of cheap what are you talking about? I'm getting twelve percent in the bank, only some more. Yeah, why would I do that? Why would yeah. I? I mean, it, it, you you couldn't get if if you would have walked into a party, having your glass of wine with your pinky up, and say, I just I just cashed in my CD, and I had to go find the mutual fund guy who was painting houses, and I put some money in this in the mutual fund. They would have tossed you out the front door. It, now, but now is every is the belief that this stuff right back going to the sky that this is all, everything's all fixed and. I, I absorbed, you know, thank you, sir, I have another, and now I'm okay now? I mean, it's, it, 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 don't people get that this tone has changed to here? I'm not saying... I, 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 I think they just see the positive, you know. And I don't, it, it, it always seemed like in the past that, you know, the, the, the negative stuff really would, would have a much bigger impact emotionally and make people be a little bit less rational than normal. Um and now I'm wondering if the rallies are, are, are taking that, that place and maybe it's the instant gratification that we get now that we didn't get 10, 20 years ago. So, you know, a few good days in NVIDIA, we feel so good. It just it blanks out any of the reality or any of the negative the negatives that we should be taking into account. we got to dash off and we'll come back. We'll, we'll, back we'll have uh, you and Dan, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the debt levels, which you never see coming from overseas and so forth. We get a couple of picks out of uh, out of Dan, and you can opine on those as well. SP Futures now only up 50 cents. 50 cents. SP Futures up eight and a quarter. We're still up. Everything's kind of green, but not like we were. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe, Matt Byrne on the board. I'm just reading some article on CNBC. I'll talk about it after I'm done with this, but mm. amazing what... Matt, you know why don't why don't you uh, you and your buddy Andrew? I think mm-hmm. you guys at a young age. Why don't you start a lobbying firm and actually make some real money in this world? Well, first we get we we both got to figure out what a lobbying firm is. Uh, you know, well, and that would be a start. Yeah. From there. Be, <laughs> what one who lobbies lobbyists? I guess. Man, I guess God, so. What the hell? Ask Andrew about this. Oh man, he'll have, a, he'll have less clue than I will. Oh God, SP futures up two and a quarter, and NASDAQ futures up fifteen and a quarter. Dow futures down eighteen. Uh, we're leaking here. We were up, you know, up and still. I, we expect, I'm going to expect, uh, boy, as a predictor, I'm horrible. I'm going to say moderately up today going into the holiday. The direction seems to be up, but maybe not so much. DAX down 22.1%. FTSE up 13.1%. Cac around unchanged. So that's the kind of day I'm looking for here, unfortunately, since we have stuff to do. Nikkei up 170.6%. Shanghai up 7.2%. Hang Seng bouncing back for a couple of lousy days, up 99.6%. Uh, New Zealand with its biggest ever rate hike. Singapore says their inflation eased in October, so those are kind of the headlines around. Yesterday we had a big day, huge update. Dow up 397, S&P up 53, Nasdaq up 149. The one, the index has been kind of leading this whole rally is the S&P, more so than the Nasdaq or the Russell. So the S&P has been the one that's been pushing. Uh, bonds, unchanged 3.76. The Bund unchanged 1.98. Japan unchanged at 0.24. So if you're in the credit markets this morning, I guess it's time to go watch soccer. Uh, oil down 220, 78.75. That's almost 3%. That's a big move. Brent down 254, 85.82. Uh, natural gas up 59 cents, 737. Arbob down 7 cents, 246. Red gold down 5 bucks, 1734, but still steady in the mid 1700s. Silver up 9 cents, 21.14. Copper unchanged at 360. We've got Bitcoin up 360, 16.5. Seems to be fairly stable in there, and even though people are worried, it doesn't really show that it's going to be heading south there anytime soon, but who knows? It's still kind of wobbly. Yeah, U.S. dollar is uh, down today with the euro. The euro up uh, 31 basis points to 103, and the pound up almost a whole percent to 119, almost pushing 120. Mm. So the pounds come, pounds come back from 104 low, so the pound has made a big recovery. Yeah, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on November 23rd, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, we're looking at a disabled truck eastbound on Dan Ryan causing some delays. It's blocking two right lanes before 137th Street, exit 69. Traffic currently backed up to 130th Street. Uh, expect delays up to 10 minutes. 
Weather in Chicago, clear skies and 33 degrees currently. Today expect a high of 58 and clear sunny skies. This weekend we're looking at mid temps and possible light rain starting on Saturday evening going into Sunday. Temperatures going back to freezing on Sunday night. In Phoenix, clear skies 44 degrees. Clear skies to continue all day with a high of 73 degrees. In the NBA, Bulls won their Monday night game against the Celtics. Final score 121 to 107. Bulls back to play Milwaukee Bucks at 7 o'clock tonight. Meanwhile, in the NHL, Blackhawks play against Dallas Stars. You can catch that game at 7.30 p.m. And Week 12 the NFL starts up with Thanksgiving games tomorrow. First, we'll see Bills at Lions in Detroit. That game will start at 11.30 a.m. At 3.30, Cowboys at home with Giants. Both teams, 7 wins to 3 losses. And finally, at 7.20, we'll see the Patriots battle it out with current NFC North leader, the Minnesota Vikings. And PSA to our listeners, no shows tomorrow or Friday. We'll be back on the air Monday, the 28th of November. In the meantime, have a happy Thanksgiving. All for now, back to you, Chief. Nice job, man. Hey, uh, <laughs> we have Dan and we have Russell still. We do indeed. Yes. Hey, uh, yes. you gentlemen, I, uh, well, I was just giving Matt some grief about becoming a lobbyist. <laughs> Here's what happens if you don't have the right lobbyist. I didn't realize that in the Inflation Reduction Act... Uh, one of my one of my buddies bought a Hyundai, and he absolutely loves these. He's got those Kia things. Mm. Um, and he, uh, anyway, so I, Hyundai had made it to the second spot in electric vehicles here in the U.S. They were right behind Tesla. And now this this Inflation Reduction Act, the up to $7,500 tax credit you get for buying a electric vehicle is gone if the, if the vehicle is imported. So you <laughs> You don't get it if you're Hyundai, only if you're Tesla, Ford, or GM. Talk about, talk about, Dan, Russell, you guys should have been the lobbyists for these guys. You could have made a lot of dough. They'd be happy to pay you. (laughs) Anyway, we have a couple people from different, uh, sort of different walks of life, but but, uh, I wonder if you guys could opine on on some of where the, the credit market is going. We don't talk about this too much, except when Dan's on, and Russell, I know, has done some work in this area. What is the status of the foreign debt stuff uh, a little bit because I know uh, from the retail side people kind of wanted to get in there I always kind of steer people away uh, but on the, on the certainly on the university side I bet a lot of university funds uh, Russell are involved in, in debt overseas uh, some I'm sure even got into the crypto but let's not go there today but what is the status of like the dollar denominated Chinese debt and these other countries that seem like they're wobbling a little bit it, Dan, on the corporate side, what's it like? And then and, and Russell, afterward, what's it like on, on you know, the pension fund and those kinds of people? Because they got to be involved, too. Dan, what are you seeing on the – do you have retail people that are involved in that stuff? I mean, I know you guys kind of shied away from it, but some people probably haven't. Uh, not yet. That would not be something I would buy, you know, for my clients. And I think when it, when it comes to China, we've talked about this before, I have a, I have a bias because when we're looking at um, corporate bonds, we want to have – we do our research, we look at, we want to talk to the management of the company, and it's very difficult to get that kind of information, that level of information from, you know, say, um, the Chinese and, and some other um, parts of the world. I mean, if you look at Euro, you look at some European companies, and you're looking at credit on the European side, that's going to be riskier than it is here. That's going to have more um, risk, and not necessarily a whole lot more yield. So I still, I stick with the U.S. I think, you know, we've talked about some of the names, um, the, the corporate bonds that we own. Um, the, there's been a lot of interest in U.S. corporate bonds. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, the spread on high-yield bonds. 
is now 35, 36 basis points below its average. And what that means is investors around the world are looking at corporate credit here in the U.S. as being the safe haven. And, you know, without knowing the political risks, or, you know, without really getting into the political risks overseas, I think we're getting enough yield here and that we don't really have to stretch to take, you know, take on some of the sovereign risk that you'd have with, um, you know, credit outside of the U.S. What, uh, in, in the stuff you deal with, Russell, right now, you consult with some of these, uh, you know, bigger, I'm going to say maybe insurance companies or pension funds and stuff, are, did, did they dive into this head first? And, and were they were they ever prepared for 10 and 15% moves in these currencies? I mean, uh, what it, in, that, in that side of the business, not retail, what, what, what are you seeing? Well, they, the, the, the debt they typically would, and, and I'm just thinking of U.S. institutions, the, the foreign debt is generally dollar-denominated foreign debt, which I believe puts it at even more risk than just, you know, just straightforward uh, currency risk that maybe you can hedge out. But um, I, I know that the search for, you know, 60 foot, some sort of 60 40 returns uh, had some of them do make those sorts of moves in the first half of the year and not doing it now. And the consulting firm I work with, we do our, our annual outreach like right around now. And foreign bonds among US, the U.S. pension funds, it, it hasn't even come up as something that. Uh, People are looking to looking to over the next six to eighteen months, which is the time frame we have. Like, what do you think is most constructive, or what do you think is going to be the best performing asset that, that you'll have exposure to? You got to you got to move to a different you got to move to a different spot. You know what? You know what? Chief, it's not me because I can barely hear you as well, hmm. and I'm sitting perfectly still. Well, why don't you call? Uh, why don't you call right back? Sometimes that helps. Okay, right. Right. I'll call right back. Um, have you do you, have you heard about people just not getting paid by their interest in some of this stuff, Dan? Or no? I mean, is it some of these become non-performing? They will, yeah. I mean, they will. There's, there's no question that they will. And um, I'm hearing that there's some of that, obviously, has happened in, in China with some of the, you know, the real estate, or as they call it, their property um, companies that have issued debt that they've struggled paying back. I've also heard that there's, there's a higher default rate, you know, generally, um, you know, across sort of all non-U.S., I mean, you know, with the exception of Canada, um, if you're looking at trying to be in emerging markets, um, you know, if you're looking at the, like, say, Latin American, um, you know, South American um, names, uh, even, be even more careful just because those, those political risks are going to weigh heavy on any, any additional, you know, you look at our inflation rate going up, but then you look at countries like Argentina, and if you're looking at bonds there, you know, there's a lot more risk um, there. There are... There's an increasing level of default, so, you know, in, in what I would call uh, uh, bonds outside of the U.S., you know, like international bonds, uh, increasing level of um, default risk. We have not seen that here yet um, in the United States, so, and I don't know that we're going to see it anytime soon. Well, what I, I keep, I'm not, uh, I'm sure as hell, since I manage money for people and I don't want them losing money, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for this um, happening, Dan, but... I also know that people pay me to, to keep my eyes open because they have another they have a real job during the day, so they pay me to do this and you to do this, yes. correct? Yes. And uh, I, I just I'm I'm sort of stunned 
that I know some of these big firms. I'm not. I mean, I, the Black Rocks of the world are all over the world, and I know that there's been there have been losses in some of these areas, even though they try and keep it under wraps. I also know that the market, you know, even though it was down a bunch this year, we're coming back some. Even though we're probably still down 15 percent in some areas, 15, 20, we were just up that the last year or two. Now it doesn't match up because people borrow and all that kind of stuff. But I won't go into that. But and, I, and then I look at this crypto thing, and they we're talking a trillion four out of the valuation. Yeah. None of it, nothing seems to really affect the core market here. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's become so concentrated. Someplace, somewhere, one of these things is going to make a difference. You can, and I, and I, I hope it doesn't. But I also know that you can't keep <laughs> pulling pulling beams out of the bottom of a building until one day the damn thing falls down. I mean, I I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want it to happen, but I just wonder how much more can can we just keep the smiley face going? I, or am I or am I totally over? Or am I taking my job too too seriously by looking at what could possibly bad happen? No, I I, I think that you're looking at some signs. Of of you know trouble or, or some 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 places where there's definitely some concerns. I mean, certainly inflation is going to continue. The Fed is going to continue to raise rates, so that hasn't fully impacted the economy yet. And we're hearing all this stuff about you know spending being up and and home sales. You know, they're talking about home sales being down. We're not seeing that here in Florida. But, uh, we're certainly not seeing prices going down here. But but the. Um, I think we're in a risk-off environment. In other words, I don't think this is the period to, to like look for those one-off stocks or you know try to find. I mean, we do that. We're doing that with with um, what I would call more you know income-driven, you know, more dividend-driven uh, names, and that's because that's what we do. But this is especially not the time to be taking the additional risk. And what happened with the crypto, you know, um, and FTX and, and all that, I mean, that's very concerning to me, just that, that you know, people can get away with that still, um, that somebody can get away with that. And I do think it put it tarnishes that, the, you know, the whole crypto world. And then, I, you know, Estonia also had some, some issues with, uh, you know, wanting to go all crypto, and then there was some, some issues of, um, of, you know, money, you know, uh, you know, some corruption issues there as well. So, so it just doesn't have the, you know, it hasn't played itself out. Um, you're, we tend to like, um, asset backed. Uh, this is a good time to look at any type of investment or any, you know, if you're going to look for a stock, look for a stock that has hard assets behind it and has some operating history because they tend to do well or they tend to do better in this environment. Russell, we were, you were communicating back in. I was just, Saying that, unfortunately, unfortunately, because I love what I do, but my job is to look at the negative things that could happen because mm-hmm. that's what that's what people pay me to watch out for, basically. And I I look at some of this. I, I'm kind of stunned at the numbers um, in terms of. I, I know some of this foreign debt is becoming clunky. I see a trillion four coming out of the crypto, and I'm going. Ugh. I mean, some money's come out of. You see, like a Netflix go from six hundred to one sixty, and nobody even bats an eyelash. No, I I just wonder at, at some point it's got to matter, and I, in terms of you know uh, we have you know le- less always less companies, but I mean, even, I mean we're only down I mean, we're down probably what fifteen percent this year, not even in the S and P twelve, which is a, which is a bad year. We could go you know we could make some of that back, but really from the last two years from from the start of a of a massive pandemic and almost a damn near shutdown, we're still up what thirty percent. 
And I, 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 you look at that from the totality of it, I don't know if you could, if you wrote a book like that, Russell, it wouldn't be selling like your other books because nobody would believe it. Like, you know, I could tell everybody how to do that? Absolutely. I can tell you how to do that. Um, just wait until there's going to be a big bout of inflation and, and buy things that benefit from it. Well, even that seems to I mean, have I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of happy. No, but even, even that seems like uh, the society's <laughs> yeah. bending over and say, thank you, sir, may I have another. I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, one of the guys, he's been on the air a couple of times, uh, Alan, he went to the, mm. a showroom in, I don't know, it was Virginia or Carolina or someplace, and they've got a, a Toyota Sequoia. That's a real big one, I guess. And yeah. Well, the, the list price is seventy five grand, which you know is pretty high. Underneath it, it says market adjustment plus twenty. They wanted ninety five, and they had a they had a contract on it. Wow. I, I mean, there certain people that can can continue to pay the much higher prices, and there's a lot less stuff floating around still because of supply chain issues. I'm not overly shocked by that one. Uh, I do think that one has turned very quickly. My understanding is in the last CPI number, used car prices actually came down. Well, they were from such so, a massive number. Yeah, I bet. Still, they're not going, they're not going up anymore, and, and I'm one of those casual car shoppers that, that sees that. I also see uh, real estate prices coming under pressure as well. And if those, you know, if those things are happening, it's got to be an indication of less consumer demand, and that is... That could be a death knell for the U.S. economy and U.S. stocks, right there. Well, do you think we can? Or yep. I'll ask you first, and then I'll go to I'll go to Dan. Do you think? I mean, to me, I don't see any of the. Well, I don't see anywhere near the amount of leverage in the home in the mortgage market in 2008. I mean, you don't have idiots. Well, they weren't idiots. They were making money for a while, borrowing money in Japan, buying mortgages here that didn't even exist, and. You know, thirty dollars of leverage on top of every mortgage. I, I don't see any evidence of that now, so we don't have that kind of a. But I, this whole idea of how many people are into their houses at three and a quarter percent that that can't move at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, and and you look at the how many people could not afford to buy their own home today. It's seven percent versus three. I that to me is 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 a ticking time bomb. Now we might get by it if the economy stays okay. And nobody. Only a few people have to actually sell and move somewhere else, but that's a that's a big thing. If we start to go downhill and people got to start changing cities for jobs, that to me is I, I, I never, I've never the whole, the actual hole is bigger than it was in two thousand eight. I think. Well, the housing thing, I you know I, I talked last week when I was doing the the road show around Indiana on on behalf of Bayou, and in the smaller towns that we stopped off in. The biggest concern there was, you know, we want to grow business, et cetera, but we don't have housing here right now, and nobody can afford to, you know, where are we going to put people if we get uh, this new factory, which is, is an issue over in Lake County? Um, and and that's, that's going to be a kind of thing. If you can't get workers for some new venture, a uh, new venture is not going to do particularly well, and that can be a downward spiral. Uh, one of the... One of the, the, the Big firms that I talked to, I talked to a guy earlier this week, he had a really good point about uh, the uncertainty going into 2023, and he said, you know, the thing that happened in the U.K. with much, they had much higher interest rates, and it didn't take very little uh, as far as projecting a couple of economic plans that, that the markets didn't like 
to basically get the prime minister fired. Yeah, yeah. And it, the, the thing is that, in, in what he was getting at with that, is the margin for error or or the repercussions behind any missteps uh, in the current environment? The landmines are a lot more powerful than they may have been about two or three years ago. And I really like how he put that. I have a, I ran something by uh, Kevin earlier. I would like to run it by you two guys if you don't mind. Uh, this. Again, I don't want to go through the whole preamble, but this inflation to me is way different than 78 to 80. It's much more concentrated in some industries, and it's, and it's been coming for 20 years. It's just now been sort of noticed. I, I think that the, the Fed, and I'll, we'll go to Dan first, uh, I think the Fed has their tools. I don't think the tools have anything to do with dealing with this. I, they could put the interest rates at 30%. And I don't see Northwestern Hospital dropping a night stay from eleven thousand to ten five. I don't. They're they're so concentrated. They're 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 such they're such monopolies. I don't see Commonwealth Edison, the state of Illinois, telling them to drop the price of their of the electric power or people's gas. I think that 50, 60, 70 percent of what people now spend their money on are so locked in that the Fed has has no no possibility of. Of even going near it without throwing us into a depression and a whole damn near a revolution. Dan, can you comment for a second, and we'll get to Russell. Yeah, I don't think I. I, I don't. Uh, I may not be quite as. Uh, I might be a little more um, in the camp that that what the Fed is doing will have an impact. It's just going to be delayed. I mean, it's going to be delayed. Um, it, it's going to really affect the, the sectors that it is affecting, and will continue to affect are going to be some of the larger um, sectors like technology, and that's what we've already seen. And those continued bleeding as the rates, you know, with further rate increases. Uh, From an investment point of view, there's going to be a shifting towards bonds. You know, that is already happening as you're getting more yield. You know, one month T-bill is yielding close to 4%. I mean, that's a really good cash substitute. And a one-year T-bill is at 479. So we're going to continue to see higher rates, and we're going to see the shift, I think, with investors so that they, they if anything, have more comfort in their, uh, you know, less volatility in their accounts. And in terms of spending going forward, I think we're still living off of the money from this huge expansionary period we've had since already. And, and whether it be corporate tax cuts or whether it be PPP money, that money is there. If you look at people in our generation, my generation in the 60s, um, we, you know, we have equity in our home. Most of us own our own homes. Um, we have pretty good-sized retirement accounts that we built up, you know, considerably, especially over the last 10 years. So there's still a lot of money out there. There's still a lot of spending power, and that'll get passed on to our, you know, our kids' generation um, as baby boomers get older. So I have a, I think that that, Excess capital, if you will, that's still out there, is going to continue to fuel the fuel the uh, economy until things become so expensive that people start cutting back. Well, that's, that was sort of my point. I'm going to rustle here, but I think that the people who who don't have that are already bearing the brunt of this. And I don't know how much more you can, how much more blood you can get out of that turnip. I mean, Russell, what, what do you think? Well, and, and we're dead on with uh, um, I, I, some of the numbers that we used in our road show included uh, the amount of savings that increased during the pandemic, and it went up by two trillion. Um, more recently, we've uh, we've spent only a third of that, so we still have two thirds of that to go before maybe we're in trouble. 
by yeah, there are a lot of people that are you know they, they were able to blow their savings up just make partially because they didn't have things to spend money on. Um, but I, and I think you're dead on with the lower you know the, the lower end of the curve is the one that's getting hit the most by all of this because uh, they actually needed the stimulus money and they spent it on their rent and and you know car payments etc. Whereas I got I, I still don't know how I got you know, child tax credit checks that just suddenly started showing up. Um, but I just took those and, you know, put them in, the, put them in my savings account. Well, <laughs> I was like, well, thank you very much for the free money. How much uh, of the, uh, I'm going to ask you a, a question you probably can't answer, but if you were to go back and give the talks you were giving and the stats you were giving, and every time you used an, an average, instead of using the mean, you used the median, how much different mm-hmm. do you think your conclusions would be? Oh, it would be very different because, uh, you know, the, the impact on different levels of uh, of income and wealth are, are dramatic. Yeah, but I... I so you definitely I, have to break that one out. So that, and we're, we already do that when, when we're having this discussion right here where you, you bring up the lower end. Uh, you know, the higher end, and it's been apparent in some of the higher end retailers, uh, is sticking in there. They always seem to stick in yeah. there regardless of, of what's going on in the economy. Uh, but then you see problems... You know, some problems at places like Target and Walmart, uh, where people that are kind of that are kind of spending that they spend are are shopping. Well, I just read a, a pretty good article the other day. And I'll ask if you guys conclu- uh, agree with the conclusion. Is they they said the reason why Walmart is doing so much better than Target is they're uh, it, man, if you can't look this up, but they're mm. they're thirty five forty percent food. And, and Target is 11 or 12% food, and how they've been able to raise the food prices more than you have, you know, the, the price of uh, T-shirts and stuff. And uh, and it, it, that's more, you can, you, and that's one of the reasons why the Walmart's doing better than the Target. Would you guys, I don't know, I don't know if I fully agree with that. What do you guys think? Well, Russell first. Uh, I think there's definitely something to that, and I hadn't thought about the breakdown before. Um, but you most, I mean, there, there's a reason that consumer staples hold up better when there's economic concerns than consumer discretionary. And there are more discretionary items at Target than Walmart. I've always, I've always felt like the, you know, if the numbers make sense, if you really think we're going into a recession, short Target and go long Walmart. Um, yeah, because Walmart is about as defensive retailer as you can get. What, what do you think, uh, Dan, same, same, what were you... Yeah, I, I definitely agree. In fact, before you even said, said, said it, I was thinking just that, that, that Walmart has a larger... People use that as their, their grocery store. I think more people use that as their grocery store than, than they would... They won't necessarily go to Target to do their grocery shopping. So I would, I would definitely... Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. That's part of it. Um, you know, it's, it's a little confusing because some people that are... That normally would have gone to the next higher... You know, the store, like here in Florida, would be Publix, um, and maybe switched over to Walmart because the prices are a little bit better. Um, and then the people who've always been going there, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, Russell's point, the uh, uh, consumer staples, you know, the needing groceries, people still need groceries and they still need to shop. So I don't see, I see that as being a relatively defensive, you know, I would agree that it's a relatively defensive play with Walmart um, versus Target. Uh, Dan, real quick, we'll give you the last left, last left here. Do you have a, a a bond here you like today, or a, or a stock? Yeah, I mean the one name that one name that we 
we spoke about last last week that I continue to like is DRD, uh, ticker symbol DRD. It's a gold mining company based in South Africa. I met them last week at, at the conference uh, in New York. They are doing an, an international or a global um, roadshow um, to promote their business, and they're really selling this ESG strategy that they have which is very popular in Europe with Europeans and very popular with the, the pension funds here and the foundations and the larger, um, in the, you know, in the state. So they're, they're, you know, it's kind of unusual for a gold miner to be, you know, to having a story that is, is uh, ESG friendly and also paying a 6% dividend. So, um, you know, we mentioned the stock last week, up 10%. I would continue to be buying in here. Um, I think it's a, a nice alternative that gives you some good yield. We know I, uh, real, real quick because we got a dash. Uh, I, they have a horrendous option market in there, right? It's wide and nothing. Well, somebody was offering some February calls a two lot yesterday, and uh, and at, at a nice price. And I'm, I'm like, holy, holy, holy crap! These guys got a, a five cent wide market. So I talked to a couple of my clients, and we said, okay, we'll see if we can buy 150 of them. And uh, guess what? We got filled. <laughs> I, was, I was stunned. So, so we're, we're good to February. So but once I keep rallying, we're, we're okay. Without, and, uh, you know, there's a way to, you know, if it runs up, we can sell something against. But I was stunned we got filled. I, mm. But, you know, you don't, you don't try, you don't get, as they say, right? Uh, Absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you very much. And uh, yeah. uh, we, this was fun. Uh, two different sides of the of the page, but it's interesting how you guys kind of think alike. I guess I guess smart people do think alike in a lot of ways. Mm. Happy Thanksgiving to all you dudes. <laughs> Uh, Russell, you know, you dodged, you, Russell, you dodged the bullet the other day, you know. Yeah. You don't have the bullet you dodged? You were heading to... Uh, what, was the what was the bullet I dodged? Uh, you were heading to Jasper. Mm. Oh, yeah. I actually spotted a truck down there. I was going to ask you to have you go over and test drive it, but I think the guy sold it. Uh. I would have been more... Jasper was a neat little town. Uh, are you are you good at evaluating pickup trucks? I am not good at evaluating pickup trucks, but I will be driving my first one as a rental... When I go graduate down in Oklahoma, I'm doing the whole cowboy thing. Oh, I even have a bolo tie. Well, even you, so, if you drove along the block and saw a bunch of black smoke and it didn't make it, you'd, you'd be, at least could tell me that, I assume. Yeah. I'd tell you to lowball them. <laughs> lowball them. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody have a great holiday. Be back right. next week on a normal schedule. SP Futures now down two. NASDAQ up five. Matt, thank you. We'll be back right. on Monday. Stocks and Jacks. Sounds good. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs>